Welcome to the Storm Clouds of Dementia, where we share concrete day-to-day tips and guidance from our perspectives based on our personal experience and observations over the last decade. I'm Pam Ostrowski, Alzheimer's speaker, family consultant, and author of It's Not That Simple, Helping Families Navigate the Alzheimer's Journey. It's a guidebook filled with tips and guidance based on my mother's 14-year Alzheimer's journey from being fully functional through dementia and then finally through Alzheimer's. Today, I'd like to also introduce Tammy Luna, who is my partner in crime on this podcast. Tammy, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Tammy Luna, Certified Dementia Practitioner and Certified Placement and Referral Specialist with Options for Senior Living. We are here to assist families who are at a critical time in their life and need help navigating the senior living world. We're glad you're here. Let's get started with today's topic. Welcome to podcast number four. Today we will be discussing how to have the talk. What do I mean by that? Well, for starters, there's so much that goes into the talk, and the more prepared you are, the better. The right time and place, asking questions, and this is all going to depend on, obviously, each individual situation. Are we starting from the beginning? Are we coming in the middle? So for an example, when when I'm going to meet with a client, I always say, is your mom, your dad, are they better in the morning? Are they better in the afternoon? Because you always want to have the talk when they're going to be more lucid, when they're more cognitively aware, because you want them involved in the conversation. You don't ever want to talk behind them. You want to include them in the conversation, right, Pam? So that is one thing that I always do. And, and I always make sure that, for example, when I go in to see my clients and we're going to have the talk, I always go in and I sit next to the person with dementia. Well, why is that? Because I want that person to feel like I'm including them. Um, As we're talking about what um, the needs might be now versus later, I'm talking at that person and just asking them small questions. You know, what do you do? What do you do during the day? What do you like to do during the week? What does your daily schedule look like? So those are things that um, when we're starting to discuss the talk, I make sure I include them. Pam, when you started to have this talk with your mom and your dad, what, what was the beginning like for you? Well, so just to be clear, to me, there's multiple conversations. So when I believe that you should start out with, and this is what we did, is to gather the family Uh, or friends, whoever's going to be part of the care team, and sit down and have a caring, loving, tender conversation about what does later life look like when one or both of you can no longer take care of each other or yourselves, and then be quiet. You know, ultimately, this is a short conversation. The first one should not be, it shouldn't be longer than an hour. And it's not about what everybody around the table thinks. It's only about if it's just one loved one or a a couple of parents, then make sure that they are the ones talking because we have to ask the question in that first conversation, what's important to you? What, what would be, you know, is it to be able to have gardens that are easily accessible or is it important for you to have a pool table, you know, something fun or access to a computer or, 
Uh, is gourmet dining really important to you? You know, what things when you think about and and the the other thing is is when we talk talk about this from a general tone perspective, it's also about they earned the right to live in a place that takes care of them. Correct. And one of the things when my brothers and I, my brothers were on the phone because they're out of state and they, you know, dad said, you're not putting me in a nursing home. And it's like, well, raise of hands, how many people actually hear their parents or uh, an elderly loved one say that I'm not going to go in a nursing home. Well, first of all, no, you're not because you're able-bodied and a nursing home is for skilled people, skilled nursing needs and medical needs. And so you're absolutely right. You are not going to go into a nursing home, but a, an aging senior care community, absolutely. You deserve to have people fix you meals. You right. deserve to have someone to do your laundry and clean your, your apartment. You earned that. And that's a totally different way to start this conversation. And, and I think it's very important um, is to, to make sure that they understand that this is just a conversation. They're not exactly. making any decisions. This is going to be multiple conversations. It could exactly. be one, it could be four, it could be five. Yeah, exactly. you know, Every individual is different. The first conversation is really just to find out what, what their preferences are. What do they want to see going forward? Right. And, and kind of paving the way for some ground rules um, for the conversation I think is super important in having a third party there so that, like you said, the family doesn't interject with what their needs are or what their wishes are because it's ultimately not their home. Right. Um, So I think coming from sincerity and a place of kindness and letting your loved one really speak on what they want, what are their wishes and, and, you know, in my book, it's not that simple, helping families navigate the Alzheimer's journey. Yeah. There's an entire chapter guiding you step-by-step how to have this conversation. So it, it includes the possible wording, um, process, ways of, of making sure no one talks when they're not supposed to, because it's very easy to interrupt your loved one, because as you age, it takes longer for you to respond. And yeah. they're thinking, so let them think, give them grace to respond in the time that they need and that they want. And, you know, that's that ultimately to me is, is such a big part of these multiple conversations is understanding that we live in a harried world and we're going 90 miles an hour. We stop for a second, we meet with our loved one and it's like, come on, let's just, let's just get this. Yeah, let's just and, get it done. And that is that if you want a lot of resistance, fear, anger, and yeah. frustration thrown at you, that is the fastest way to get there. Let me tell you. Well, and going back to that, to the, to the word fear that you just used is when, when you're talking to your loved one, or let's say I'm, I'm there with my client and I'm having the conversation with the loved one and they're thinking about what they want to say and you can see them processing and the family interjects. Mm -hmm. It's just going to make them shut down 100%. And now that whole meeting is done with. And Um, then when, when you come back to the topic, they, they're not going to have it. They're not going to engage at all and they're not going to move. I mean, literally they're not going to participate and nor are they going to agree to anything because you approach the conversation the wrong way. Exactly. And this to me is like the biggest deal breaker of what, of what family and friends do when they realize that, okay, we should explore this. Now I will point out 
that I was 16 years old when we first started having this conversation. So when people say, well, when should you have this talk? Right. (laughs) I was 16 when my parents started having this talk with me. And, and honestly, you know, I personally advise uh, loved ones who are in their 60s. So their children are in their 30s and and early 40s at most. And, and you sit down and say, okay, so there's, there will come a point when I can't live here anymore because I can't take care of myself. What, what I'd like to see happen is X, Y, and Z. And that's a perfect time to bring someone like you in Tammy right? as a senior referral specialist, because you're able to walk them through the process and everything is done in a cadence that's slow, easy to assimilate. You've got a plan and, and you know that were anything to happen as your loved ones age, that you've, you've got some semblance of, you've got agreement, you've got consensus, and you've got a way to move forward. And 75% of people probably do not have that right now. So a hundred percent. One thing that I see often is when I am meeting with a client and the family is trying to interject you know, I kind of give them that look. And when I give them that look, they know to kind of just shush. And, and I'll just, you know, I'm sitting next to my client. So I'll just, you know, kind of give her, you know, a little touch, um, hold her hand, his Mm -hmm. hand, just let them know it's okay. Take your time, think about what you want to say, and then you can say it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to put yourself in their position or their world, as we like to say, and keep the conversation simple. Live in their world. Yeah. Live in their world. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to, to the, the conversations um, and about how this doesn't need to happen overnight, um, you know, the first conversation is, is what their wishes are. So into the, the second, let's just say the second conversation is when you're going to want to identify what, what the key indicators are, right? Um, how, how, how are you living everyday life? what does that look like for you? What does it look like for your spouse? What does it look like for your family? You know, one thing I see often is the families getting multiple calls. You know, we dropped our medication. I, you know, I, I, I was getting out of the shower and, you know, I slipped, I slipped and fell. I'm okay. But those are all calls um, that are being made to either the spouse or, or to the kids. And those are usually key indicators. And so that's kind of what goes into like the second conversation so did you get any of those calls with your dad um, about some things that he was dealing with with your mom? Well, yes. Uh, so the, the example I can think of is mom and dad used to walk the mall. And mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, the recognizing these signs, right, back in episode two. And one of the things that he, this was probably the one that, that really drove home to him that there was a problem. So they were in the mall and he would exercise, uh, he'd do his walking and she would walk separately. And he fell asleep on the bench and in the mall, which is like a whole other ball of wax for me to deal with. But, (laughs) but, but then my mom couldn't find him. And she knew to go look them. I mean, he was always at the same bench, right? This was, you know, month, mm-hmm. they walked right. every day. So she had at least at, at that point in time over, you know, probably a thousand episodes of where to find him. And yet she, she stood still and in the mall and the security guard came up and said, ma'am, may I help you? And she, I don't, obviously I wasn't there. So I don't know how that conversation transpired, yeah. but my dad called and said a police officer or security guard 
you know, brought mom to me in the mall. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, she couldn't find me. And I was in the same place I always was. And I said, can you imagine if the security guard hadn't found her first and somebody who was going to take advantage of her could take advantage of her then because they, you know, she didn't know any better. And so, uh, you know, that's, that was one of the first instances where, you know, dad was more open to having this conversation about, you know, geez, we, we have an an issue here. And then you mentioned dropping medications, mom just wouldn't take them. And so dad gave her this complex process that he followed where he said, you know, when you take your medication, you flip, flip the vial upside down, and then you know that you took it. And then Uh I said, well, when do you flip it back up? And he's like, well, that night you flip it back up so that you know that tomorrow morning you have to flip it down again. And I said, that's, that's confusing. (laughs) And then if you flip it down, then you think the next day that you already took it when you didn't. And, and he just looked at me like there was something wrong with me because it was so clear to him how to do it. And I said, this makes no sense to me. I can't imagine it makes any sense to her. And we really need someone who manages her medications. You can't do it. You're not skilled in it and you're not trained in it. And we need help. We we need her to get, uh, have caregivers who can actually help her with this. And so let's, let's start thinking about what kind of place you would like to move to. And that's really how we started that whole thing. And, and going into thinking about the places that you want to move into, there's a lot that goes into that as well, right? Mm, oh, yeah. you, you and I know, you you being that you've experienced it and, and myself, you know, um, going into the communities with my clients, you know, almost daily, there's so much that goes into finding a place. You know, the care is going to be standard um, across the board. But when it goes into what a person's likes and dislikes are, there's so much to choose from. And so that's another conversation we have when we have the talk is, uh, you know, for instance, like you said, do you like to garden? Do you like animals? Um, there's pet therapy. Do they like to tinker? I have a lot of clients with dementia who like to tinker, right? So that's uh, episode five, we're going to talk about this in a lot more detail. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. little things like that go into part of the conversation as well. But going back to I, I identifying the needs and, and key indicators of what is our time frame look like on this? Mm-hmm. And that looks different for everybody, depending on the person's situation. So it goes back into, uh, you know, some of the, the daily tasks that are being done by the spouse or the caregiver. How do they feel about everything that they're doing on a daily basis? Can they continue to do it? You know, there's statistically, it's been proven that the caregiver is usually the one that ends up having the health issues or ultimately passing before the person with dementia because they are so exhausted and so worn out. And so that conversation needs to, to happen too, uh, that they understand, uh, you know, that we're, we're just trying to take the next best step for them. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the, the things that uh, in talking with having your loved one present, so we mentioned this in the last episode, when you're having these conversations and so in my case, it was my parents. So my mm-hmm. mom was at one end of the table and my dad was at the other. And I, and this is one of my regrets. You know, I, I talk about the fact that my goal is to help family members with loved ones with, with dementia have no regrets and no guilt, but only look back on this with peace of mind. And my, one of my regrets is that I didn't engage mom 
or I didn't yeah. involve her. Engage might not be the right word, but involve her so that she felt like she was part of the decision. And, and now that breaks my heart because I, I can see that kitchen table and mom sitting at one end and, and, you know, dad kind of going through seven pages of pre-written prepared document, you know, wording as to what he wanted to say to us. And, and that was when he, you know, looked at her and said, well, what do you think? And she just kind of shrugged her shoulders. Like, I don't know. Um, You know, it, 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 she understood that there was angst in with the kids, us, um, that there was concern, but she wasn't going to be able to really participate in a yes, no, or how do we proceed type of conversation. And it was, it was easier for me emotionally to not face her or address her. And I feel so badly about that now that I didn't do didn't do that. And so that, you know, to me is, is a piece of advice for all of you out there. Absolutely. You know, what you said about, you know, holding that, you know, the loved one's hand or, you know, sitting next to that individual and making sure that they feel, you know, the biggest word I can say is safe, that they feel like everyone's there for, to help them on the flip side of it. A lot of times you'll run into, tell me if you've run into this where they don't want to feel like they're a burden. So Mm -hmm. So they, they're not quite sure how to handle the conversation uh, or there's the financial thing of, well, we want to save our money and give it to you guys. <laughs> well, that's always a question I get is, 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 and that kind of goes into another conversation. Um, and I typically try not to have this conversation around the person with dementia is, is what are the finances? You know, what is this going to cost us? And that's always a question I get when we're having the conversation about what uh, their needs might be going mm-hmm. forward. And that's always the first question. They totally skip over everything else because that, that's a fear for them is what is this going to cost? Right. And so I, I, I usually try to avoid talking anything financial and I really just make it clear. I'll look over at them and say, you know, you don't need to, don't need to worry about that right now. Right now, I just want to know what is going to make you happy. Right. And so you kind of just kind of divert from the situation, from the question, and then you move on to the, to the, to the next next question that you have, but you really have to be careful when it comes to things like that, because that's another shutdown. Yeah. And, and the thing that's interesting too, about that question, you know, what will make you happy, you know, wording wise, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you have to, you as a family member, listening audience, in having this conversation, they may not under, they may not know what's going to make them happy. They may say, well, I want to stay here now. So the one thing that I would ask is that you consider that when they say stay here, it doesn't mean that physical location. Correct. It means this place that makes me feel like I belong or this place that, that I know where my things are. And, and the bottom line is dementia takes that away from you. So when they say they want to stay here, they mean like right where they are mentally. They don't want to progress to a point where they're not going to, you know, a lot of people don't, as they, as they age and as dementia progresses, everybody thinks, oh, well, she wants her favorite chair and she wants this mm-hmm. or she wants that, or, oh, these are all her favorite things. And not anymore. This person right. has changed now and they don't have an emotional attachment to those things. You might <laughs> take them to your house. Exactly. But, it's all about what but to they say. Don't, they say don't it. necessarily need them, right? Yeah. It's all about what to say, how to say it, and using those right words. 
just a couple pointers when you are having conversations. Uh, and this is something that I've really taken into consideration when I am sitting around the table with the, with my client who has dementia is, uh, you know, you don't say diaper, you say underwear, right? Uh, you say, yeah, it's the wording on things. It's not um, nursing, it's, home, nursing it's, home, it's senior living. Senior living or active yeah. living, you know, depending on the situation. Not it's not daycare. daycare. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. Um, and so those are just words that you have to really take into consideration how you're saying things. They're demeaning. I'm totally, I couldn't be more supportive of you on that. I mean, the, the words that we use for, for aging, for our seniors are demeaning. And these people have been through a lot more than we have been. They're older than we are and they've experienced different things and we need to show them dignity and respect and using words that you would use with a child are, is inappropriate. I'll get off my, my soapbox now. you're absolutely correct though you know that's a big thing is 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 how to say things and saying them correctly Mm -hmm. um and we're gonna probably have another episode on that would be my guess i agree you know just i agree because there's so much um conversation to be had and and i think giving our giving you as the listeners some pointers on uh, what words are triggers and and what you can say differently is something we can definitely talk about yeah that that sounds like a really good episode. So uh, that being said, you know, you've been listening to our topic about having the talk about when it's time for to discuss new living arrangements for our aging senior. And the next episode, we're going to be talking about the care options. So Tammy was alluding to what options are out there and how does the family know which one is best for their loved one. So we're going to do a deep dive on that to help you guys out so that you can make those decisions. But we do appreciate you listening and we look forward to uh, your comments and your participation. If you want to provide any additional details or want to reach out to us, Uh, You can reach me at Pam at it's not that simple.com and Tammy, how do they reach you? You uh, www.optionsforseniorliving.com slash Tammy Luna. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much guys. Take care and we'll talk to you soon.